welcome to Girl Code. Hello and welcome to the number one podcast in the motherfucking world. Nice. I like that manifestation. <laughs> um, anyways, welcome back, guys. Hello, another week, another episode. This, I'm actually really excited for you guys to listen to this episode. It is one, I think we say this every time we have a guest on it. I'm like, it's my favorite episode. But it actually genuinely is. I I feel like we took so much away from this episode. Um, Nancy is one of the coolest people I've ever spoken to in my life. Such a legend. Yeah. So easy to talk to. Yeah. I feel like I could just open up about all my darkest thoughts. I know. <laughs> we ended the call. So, oh, yeah, sorry. Nancy is a psychologist and she is an absolute wealth of knowledge, but she's also just a, like such a, a legend. Cool, yeah. yeah. Her vibes are immaculate. She just seems like one of the girls, but also a psychologist. <laughs> so, yeah, incredibly smart, but just... Just, uh, what's the word that I'm looking like? Relatable? Relatable, maybe? that's the word that I'm looking for, yes. Yeah, so it was absolutely incredible to have her on. She was so cool and we learned so much from having her on. Also, we had to record this on like a platform, um, so the sound isn't as good as what you're hearing right now, but please, once you start listening to it, you kind of get used to it, so please don't hold it against us. Um COVID vibes. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> lockdown COVID vibes. Yeah, once you start having everyone on different internet lines and whatever. So, yeah, it's not the best quality, but you do get used to it. But I promise you it's worth sticking around because she just drops so many bombs. We talk about everything from, you know, leaving COVID anxiety to social anxiety, how to deal with it, um, relationship, attachment styles, narcissism. It's honestly, you'll learn a lot and I think everyone can take something away from this either for themselves or to help someone else so stick around and we hope you guys enjoy this week's episode i will quickly do a disclaimer and say that everything that i talk about on this podcast today is purely psychoeducational by no means is it a substitute for intervention diagnosis treatment anything like that and that's really important to put out there first and foremost um And yeah, so we'll get started. My name's Nancy Sacano. I'm a registered psychologist in Sydney, Australia, um, and living in New South Wales at the moment has been so fun. It's been great. Um, um, I think we're like four months deep or something. I don't know. I feel like I'm in a time capsule at this point, but every day feels very much the same. Um, I've kind of transitioned onto telehealth for the moment um, and that's been super cool. It's given me a little bit of time to um, just like slow my pace, I guess, in the mornings. Like I get an extra walk-in after training or I make make myself a better breakfast and I'm not like scrambling to do like hair and makeup and get in the car and, you know, sit in Sydney traffic. So that's been really cool for me. Um, And... I've struggled a little bit with like getting off my laptop at the end of the day. And I'm just like, I'll do one more email. Just I'll do one more article. I do one more thing. And I think that a lot of my clients have struggled with that work-life balance as well, especially if you're working from your bedroom. Um, It's like, I mean, why stop now? I'm here already. I don't need to go anywhere else. And I think that like stress management has something that I've been really conscious of during this time because I'm experiencing it too you know like I'm I'm living through lockdown as well um, but having to help people navigate through lockdown has been challenging um, but really rewarding at the same time because if I can make someone's day that little bit more bearable then that feels good to me 
Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so do you usually work in an office? What's your usual? Yeah. 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 So I work in private practice um, at the moment across two locations. And I, I really do love working in clinic because I feel like it's a much more personable touch. Um, but because I'm so animated, uh, telehealth has been um, super fun anyway. And, you know, you get to do therapy from your bedroom or in your bed or in the sun, you know, and everyone's like, oh, my God, look at my dog or let me quickly go grab my journal or, you know, so it's it's super like chill and you don't feel like this. Oh, my God, I've got to get dressed up, uh, dressed up and I've got to not that I care what you look like in therapy, like come in your pajamas with your hair in a bun, like, you know, this is your safe space. Um, but I do do interventions like EMDR, which is an intervention for trauma and anxiety. Um, that's pretty full on and it is face-to-face. It's more effective face-to-face. Um, I like doing couples therapy face-to-face as well. Cause I like to feel the energy in the room. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, we're, we're adapting to what works at the moment. And I think adaption is probably the most important thing to take away from, from lockdown and, and from just COVID in general, um, having to pivot your life according to your external world. And, and we've seen, you know, the resilient people who are able to be like, okay, you know, I don't want to stay stuck in the mud. I want to kind of take on what's happening around me and adapt my life accordingly. Otherwise, you know, we do fall behind and the world keeps spinning, unfortunately, and, and we're either with it or against it. And, and I've seen that a lot in therapy. Um, and I guess that's one of the things that I'm working consciously with my clients to do is be like, you know, it's shit, man. I get it. Like, it's not fun. And, and I'm not even pretending like this is an okay situation. It's not, right? Like, it's, and I'm really real about that. Like, I, I'm not here to be like, oh, my God, you should just wake up and be so positive. Like, no, it's shit. Like, it's okay to wake up and be like, yeah. As long as you can be like, okay, I've acknowledged it's shit. I get it, right? And I know, look, my capacity isn't 100%. I'm at 40, if that. And getting out of bed today is a win. Mm. So, like, I'm just, yeah, I'm super real about it. I wholeheartedly am honest online as well. I'm like, I wake up and I'm like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're here again. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm already so obsessed with you. I'm like, can you be my therapist? (laughs) I just love how, yeah, you're so easy to talk to. I mean, yeah, you're incredible. I never wanted therapy to be this like structured interview where you're like, oh my God, I'm being questioned about my life. Like I wanted it to feel so easy and safe and just that you can be vulnerable and feel like there's no judgment. There's no bias. No one is interpreting anything about me that is not being presented by me. Right. And it's not my space to assume things. Right. Like whatever the client gives me, I'm just working with that. I'm not going to formulate narratives that aren't there. Right. Um, And I think a lot of people are, I guess, anxious about going to therapy because it's so like, oh, my God, you've got to dig deep into your childhood and you're going to expose every little secret and crevice of your life. Like only if you feel comfortable. Mm. Like, I'm not here to be like, tell me about your childhood trauma. <laughs> if you want to share that with me and you and and this is a safe enough space for you to do so, let's do it. If that's not something you want to, cool, who's discussing it? Not me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love right? that. Your approach. Yeah. Um, and I think that 
you know, now 2021, given the circumstances that we've been in for the last 18 months, therapy has really been put on the map and um, and talked about far more than it has in the past because we're all kind of struggling with quite similar things. We always have been, but it's just not been on the surface as much as it has now. Um, and, you know, social media makes it really, I guess, colloquial to you know all the memes that are out there about anxiety and depression and like not being able to get it and although they're really funny and like lighthearted, they actually do help people resonate to that that narrative that it's only it's not just me that's suffering you know um there are so many clients that I speak to I'm like I bet you're thinking this 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 and they're like yeah <laughs> I'm like that's because the person before you and the person before that and the one before that all felt the same, you know, and it's like, I'm so glad now people can have those conversations and be like, I'm anxious as shit, man. And I'm like, yeah, it feels like I'm very much the same, Yeah, you know, which is nice. I feel like social media is, like you said, made that a lot, like the conversations a lot more accessible to everyone, especially TikTok. I feel like, do you yeah, see that? Definitely. I feel like everyone's really open talking about their mental health. Oh my God. TikTok is yeah. Another level. <laughs> are you are you on TikTok? I personally I am on TikTok. I did start a professional, professional TikTok. And then I kind of like dropped off. I feel like I start all these things and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get into TikTok. I'm gonna get into YouTube. I'm gonna get into this thing. And then I'm like, I work 11 hour days. Like it's it takes a lot of energy, like creatively, to obviously put together content and like edit and so on and so forth. And I've I give you props for doing that because I'm such an off the cuff person. Like I literally jumped on here and I was like, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> Let's just wing it. I was saying to Caitlin, I'm like, are we winging this? Cause like, that's my vibe. Like <laughs> I feel like I get way more stressed when I have to be so like, hi, I'm Nancy Sicano from <laughs> and I'm like, <sighs> No, I feel like even when we interview, I get nervous if yeah. I feel like it's going to be too, too serious. Formal. Yeah, I get like, like very structured questions. Maddie, I'm going to sound stupid. Like, I don't know what to say. So I love I know. relaxed. <laughs> yeah. Whenever like my PR goes, hey, like I did a Ticker TV um, interview, like live on the news, right? I couldn't even get three words out in a, in a sentence. I was like, it's just so these are these are way more my vibe okay. but um I was looking at the questions that some of your followers had given you in your questions box um and I do want to kind of address some of them and I think that um Caitlin the ones that you did give me were really common among so many people which is cool because I know that your listeners will definitely benefit from um me answering these questions and I Caitlin sent me like 500 hours worth of questions and I was like let's prioritize let's prioritize this that's very on brand for me I'm like we can talk forever like we all this stuff yeah I'm like yeah and that's weird what do you mean (laughs) right (laughs) yeah um I think one of the most important ones is helping people understand when is it depression as a disorder when is it anxiety as a disorder and when is it okay for you to just feel flat and low or feeling anxious right And I think that anxiety has been, again, really like used as a token word and everyone's like, oh my God, I'm so anxious. Oh my God, I'm so anxious. And it's like, but what is that? 
because when I explain anxiety to, to clients in session, they're like, oh, really? Like, I didn't know that that was anxiety. Um, and so it's completely normal for us to feel anxious given the circumstances are proportionately connected, right? So the easiest way for me to help clients understand anxiety is if you have an event and you ranked it out of 10 objectively. So if, if Caitlin comes came to me and she was like, um, I'm meeting my boyfriend's parents this weekend. I'm like, oh shit, that's pretty high up on the out of 10 scale. Let's call it a five, right? And so then proportionately, Caitlin could be like a five out of 10 anxious because it matches the event, right? It's like, what are they, what are they gonna think of me? Like, I wanna make a good impression. This is really important to me. Our relationship is a valuable part of my life. So on and so forth, awesome versus disproportionately being like, I can't go. What do you mean? Like, they're going to hate me. This is going to be terrible. He's probably going to leave me after they meet me because they're going to be like, ew, what are you doing with her? And it's like, then I'm going to be a 10 out of 10. And that's a disproportionate reaction to the event. That's when I'm like, oh, anxiety is actually maladaptive here. It's not so much because instinctively, anxiety is a fear response that is our survival instinct. Right. So like if we go primitive and Maddie and I are like, let's go forage for berries. Right. We're, we're going to bring my berries to the tribe. And I'm like, Mads, you got my back. Like lions, jaguars, bears out here. Like we're going to come back with the goods. And Maddie and I are foraging for berries and we hear a ruffling in the leaves. And we're like, what was that? That's our startle response being heightened, right? It's, a, it's like our alarm system that goes off and it's part of our reptilian brain, which is like the bottom part of our brain. And that part of our brain is unconscious. So we don't get an active role in being like, and trigger anxiety. Um, God, the universe, the stars, the moon, whoever you believe created us was like, let's not give them the conscious decision to choose whether they are in fear response or not right so we could be crossing the road a semi-trailer could be coming we're like that done (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) out yeah um other parts of our reptilian brain are our sex drive so again these forces were like we're not going to make them choose whether they can have sex or not because one they'll just start banging everybody procreate excessively run out of resources and all die or never touch each other ever get really old and die (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) i love it or Um, Similar to like our need for food and water and our bodily functions, all of those things are in an unconscious space of our brain because we'd be talking on this podcast, I'd forget to activate my respiratory system and then pass out and die. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. That'd be terrible. Um, And so thankfully for us, all those things are locked away in our unconscious brain (laughs) and and we're good. Yeah. Um, But back to me and Maddie foraging for berries. So We've got this startle response happening and we're like, Maddie, it's a fucking lion, right? And we're like, boom. (laughs) Unconsciously, our brain is like, you have three options, my friends. You either run, so flight, 
you freeze and die or you fight a lion, which is really an adaptive thing for you too. So without us even processing it up into our prefrontal cortex, which is our executive function of the brain, where it's like, if you do X, Y will happen. What does Y mean for you in the future? Blah, 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 blah. We don't have time for that. Me and Maddie are like, hit the legs, guys. And we're running. By the time that information gets from our reptilian brain into our mammal brain, which is our reactions, habits, emotions, things like that, into our prefrontal, we're like, Maddie, are we fucking running away from a lion? <laughs> Scurry the tree. <laughs> right? Me and Maddie are sitting in the top branch of a tree. They're like, <sighs> Did we actually think we were going to run away from a lion? That was wild shit. <laughs> this is so visual. Right? I'm like there. I know. I feel like right? we set this thing. You got heaps of berries. Yeah. Like you're in the tree. Right? So we're like, we're holding our mulberries because we don't want to let the tribe down. And we're like, <sighs> and now we're up a tree being like, bro, they're going to be pissed, man. It's going to be like nighttime. We didn't come back with berries. And all of that is an adaptive way for anxiety to ensure that we stay alive. But what happens in 2021 when we're sitting in the bus stop waiting for our bus to go to work and some creepy man walks past and our heart starts racing and we start sweating profusely and we're like, this guy's about to kidnap me and chop me up into pieces, throw me down the gutter. That's when anxiety becomes maladaptive, right? It is now an issue for me. It's not adaptive. It's not helping me survive. It's actually doing the opposite. It's a hindrance. And so what we look for in anxiety disorders is how is it impacting your day-to-day function? Is it significant enough for it to be like, I can't go to social events. I can't go to interviews. I avoid things at all costs because I don't want to feel that, you know? Um, and another question your, your followers was asking is tips for overcoming anxiety in social settings, right? And what I do with my clients is I differentiate them from their anxious brain, right? So we make it two people and we personify the anxiety because it's easier to work against somebody else than it is to work against you, right? So my anxious part, her name is Ingrid. I love that. Right? And um, everyone has their own. We've got Beatrices and we've got Ednas and we've got Urshulas and, and, you know, I'm like, choose the ugliest name. we love you um but in order for you to do that let's say for example caitlin's like hey do you want to come to a party with me tonight and i'm like yeah cool that would be awesome and ingrid's like don't go i'm like why not she's like because people are gonna look at you yeah but like caitlin wants me to go with her you're really fat no, I, what? No, I'm not. I'm not that fat. Mm. And now I'm already, I'm already anticipating that I'm going to go to this party and people are going to judge me about the way that I look or what I'm wearing or how I talk or what responses I give them or how good I am at small talk or blah, 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 blah. And it's like, there's this like overarching anxiety before I've even gotten there. Right. So now when we're talking about those ratios out of 10, I'm like seven. So I'm already going into the situation being like, this is going to be a shit show. And then, of course, if I'm anxious, I'm heightened. And if I'm heightened, I'm doing weird shit, right? I'm, like, tapping my leg and picking up my fingers and, like, sweating excessively and, like, do I stink? This is fucking weird. 
And then I'm like, of course, people are going to look at me. I'm fucking a jittery mess. Right. And it's like, I know that going into that situation, I'm then going to replay every single minute of that experience for the next 72 hours. Is it worth it? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Caitlin, I know I said I was going to go, but um, I've got to walk my fish later. So <laughs> I'm going to give this a rain check. Yeah. Right. And, and that's what it is. It's more so, and I, I always say to my clients, your anticipatory anxiety, your perceived outcome is far worse than your realistic outcome. Things that actually happen are nowhere near what you anticipate will happen, right? And so what I get them to do is what does their Ingrid say about what is going to happen? And then actually go and do the thing that you feel anxious about, even if it's like half an hour. You don't have to be there for 10 hours, but at least you got there, right? And you're like, I did it. I didn't think that I could do it, but I did it. And now I feel super uncomfortable and I'm going to write it out for another 10 minutes and I'm going to be like, ha, 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 I've got another party to go to. you got to go, bye, and leave and be like, okay, let me then assess the perceived outcome versus what actually happened. And so the next time Maddie goes, hey, do you want to come to a party? I'm like, let me look through my journal about what happened when I went to Caitlin's party. And it's not as bad as what Ingrid's been telling me. And I've got this validating factor to be like, oh, it's not that bad because I know it's not. I was there, right? Because Ingrid only lives up here. She doesn't live in your real world. Only Caitlin and Maddie do, right? So, like, your anxious mind doesn't live in the tangible world. Advice. I feel like it's very realistic. Yeah, I love how that's so applicable. Mm. Like if you separate it from yourself and also journaling, I love that you said that yeah. if you come home and write down what actually happened because your brain could trick you into thinking, you know, yeah. as time goes on. But if you have it written down, you'd be like, no, this yeah. is what happened, you know? Correct. Yeah. And I know I know lots of people struggle with journaling because again, there's this like TikTok, Instagram way of journaling, like it doesn't have to be structured in the way that like everybody seems to be doing it. I've got clients who literally just write fuck, 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 fuck. And cool. If that's how you're feeling, I'm like, wow, you felt really overwhelmed that day. What was going on? And they're like, I was stressing out about da 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 And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. No, I really like that. It doesn't have to be a structured thing. No. Yeah. It could it could literally be like things I've been thinking too much about, dot point, dot point, dot point, dot point. Things I want to do, but there's fear around, dot point, dot point, dot point. Like it doesn't have to be this like long-winded 15-page like story. Mm. It just it just needs to be a download of what's going on up here. And I always say to my clients as well, trying to rationalise anxious thoughts in an anxious mind is like trying to set up a tent in a tornado. That's good. Right? So, like, I'll have an anxious thought. I'll go to rationalize that or negate the anxious thought with with fact. And then my anxiety is back at it. Right? And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I go again and, and she's there. Because we call anxious thoughts negative automatic thoughts. Right? They're first out the gate before you. And you're like, What? I had a client yesterday who was playing tennis with a friend and she missed the ball. She's super anxious. She misses the ball and she's like, of course you missed the ball. You're shit at tennis. And you know what else you're shit at? 
everything. And you know why you can't go to uni? Because you're shit at everything. And she was like, I literally just missed the ball at tennis. Now, like, why would I go to uni? I obviously can't do uni. And it's like, again, anxiety is the irrational, illogical thoughts that are like, you don't have to believe them, right? You only value them if they're important. If they're not, bin them and keep it moving, right? But again, I, I could go on and on and on about anxiety. But quite similarly to depression, we all feel flat. We all feel down. It is completely normal for us to feel meh. Again, it is when we start to see significant decrease in the day-to-day functioning. Things that you previously enjoyed no longer bring you joy, right? Really flat affect most of the day, almost every day. A tearful affect, so crying excessively, finding it really hard to get out of bed in the morning. Like all of those things on a prolonged amount of time. So let's look at it in a one-month period. It's pretty consistent right? If you're depressed a week out of your periods, that's cool, right? If you've just lost someone dear to you, that's cool. If you've just lost your job, if your boyfriend's just broken up with you, if your mum had a fight with you and you love her dearly and you don't like the disconnect, that's cool. But we're looking at proportionate reactions, right? That's human nature, And I don't want people to feel like, oh, my God, I was sad today. I have depression. No, no, you're just sad, right? You had a job interview for your dream job. You're just anxious, right? So let's not over-label as well because we're just human and innately. That's how we feel. But let's also not minimise and actually seek the help when we need it, which brings me to another question that your followers asked you. You know, when is it time to see a psychologist? And for me, I really do look at psychology as a holistic way of taking care of your overall health, right? Just like you go to a GP every six months and you go, hey, check my bloods, check my blood pressure, check my, you know, vitamins and minerals and and my skin and, and so on and so forth, because we want to ensure that our physical health is at optimum levels. It's the same thing with psychology, right? How's my stress management? How, do, how assertive am I? How do I conflict manage with respect? How do I understand my attachment style? How do I transition from high school into university, into the workforce? How do I go from being single to married? Like transitional periods are important to also go and speak to someone for guidance and direction rather than, oh, my God, my life is on fire and, and that's why I need a psychologist. And I think that, again, this is where the stigma comes from. If you see a psychologist, oh, man, you must be at the fuck at your wits end. Like, shit's bad for you. You've got to go see a psychologist. And it's like, but why? Like, if you go, if, if Maddie called me and goes, hey, I'm going to go see my GP today, I'm like, Maddie, what's wrong? Mm, that's Nothing. So true. Yeah. I'm going, I'm going to get a blood test. Oh, yeah, cool. Okay. All right. Hey, Caitlin, I'm going to go see a psychologist today. Do, do you need me to come over? What's, what's going on? Like, no, right? I always say, like, sure, we can put out crises. Awesome. I'm a good firefighter. I can put out fires, but I'm also really good at construction work, 
right? So like we can't build on a lot that keeps being set on fire. Like we need to work on the things that are crises, things that are current stresses in order for us to be like, okay, we've got a pretty level ground. Let's now scaffold on a better version of you, right? Working towards your ideal self rather than being like, okay, well, I got out of that really toxic relationship. So like I'll wrap up therapy now. Right. You know, I see my psych once a month and I'm a psychologist, right? I'm really good at managing all factors of my life, but I'm like to him, I have a list of things that I need to soundboard. And he's like, hit me, you know? And it's like, if, and, and again, something that's really important to me is I practice what I preach, right? I'm not going to sit here and be like, you need to see a psychologist to ensure that your mental health is at optimum levels. You need to drink lots of water. You need to eat nutritious meals. You need to make sure that you sleep effectively. You need to exercise and, and not do any of those things that would just feel really inauthentic to me. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect either, but I want to put in the work because I want to feel like I am aligned with the work that I do. But yeah, going back onto the point of like when to see a psych, I honestly think that it should be a part of people's overall health, right? And more importantly, if like you want a better, I guess, point of time to go and see a psych, transitional periods are really important. So like, let's say you yeah have a partner and you want to get married, right? And you want to have children. You're like, all right, let me like understand where my values lie with, with marriage and children. How about parenting styles? How about, you know, conflict management in marriages? That's cool. If you were working for 25 years in one company and you were made redundant and now you have to restructure your life, that is a huge transitional period. Go and see someone. Go and work through the things that need to come into place in order for you to adapt to the next part of your life. Those periods of time are really important. I see a lot of kids as well um, between like primary and high school because it's a really big jump. It's like primary, you're like, you're very uh, like mollycoddled, you're, you're like spoon fed and so on and so forth. And then you're kind of thrown into this big pond and you're like, fend for yourself. And you're like, well, that's a lot, right? Same as university. Again, it's even less guided and very self-directed and, and that's a lot of pressure as well. So I do a lot of like into university work. There's just so many different facets of your life where you can go and see someone. And then, of course, if you're dealing with anxiety, depression, PTSD, eating disorders, um, trauma of lots of different um, subsections, um, if you're in toxic relationships, if you are a new mum and you're dealing with postpartum depression, like, there is a whole range of things, right? And so I, I truly feel, and if there's one take-home message from today's podcast, it is therapy is not about being crazy. It is about being intuitive. It is about being insightful. It is about being self-aware, right? And it's about working towards your ideal self, the best version of who you are. Because I would hate to leave this world not knowing my full potential, not knowing that I did everything it was that I could do, that the resources and the tools that I had available to me, I put them into play and I implemented those things in my day-to-day life. And I got to the end of my life and I was like, I'm fucking proud of that shit. Like I'm, that is I'm good, guys. 
take me out. <laughs> this makes me want to. Yeah, up. I'm like thinking already. I'm like, Emma, you have your rates after yeah. this. <laughs> We're joining. Yeah, catch us on like a group therapy session with you every week. Oh my God. So I, I, I was thinking last night, again, I just like randomly do this shit, but like a lot of people are really anxious about post lockdown like what happens from here how do I re- yeah yeah how do I retransition into um quote unquote normal life whatever that looks like I'm thinking of doing a post-lockdown workshop um on how to navigate your anxiety around that um and like I said adaption is something that I keep reiterating for a lot of people because like for the last three to four months in New South Wales, people have just been like, you can't go see these people. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't leave five kilometers. You can't. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to stay at home and like eat hot chips and watch lots of Netflix then because I can't do anything. And then it's like, okay, if you're double vaxxed, you can go and do this, 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 this. And it's like, oh shit, I just gained 10 kilos over the last four months and nothing that I previously wore fits me anymore. Also, I haven't talked to my friends in four months because I've been like really depressed and anxious about like COVID and contracting COVID and like vaccinations and so on and so forth. So I haven't really been putting in the effort. So like, are they going to invite me out or not? Like, am I going to get FOMO? Like, I'm so anxious about that. How do I reach out now? Like, hey, you know how lockdown's over? What are you doing this weekend? You know, and and there's, again, like finding work again and getting back into the rigmarole of like getting up early and so on and so forth. Like all there are so many elements that go back into like, okay, I've got to get back on track now, right? And it's so hard for people to be like, what is enough? Like, oh, my God, I didn't, you know, start a side hustle during the last four months or I didn't start a TikTok with 500,000 followers. And what do I do? Like I don't have anything to show for it. And it's like, you were literally a part of a global pandemic. Transmission was like through the roof. I was, I stayed alive and I also didn't contract COVID. So I'm good. I'm chilling. Right. Yeah. And that, and society has just pushed this narrative onto us. Like do more, do more, do more. Don't stop. Hustle, grind, this, that. And it's like, I literally have anxiety bro. I'm like depressed. I ate migraine for dinner. Like I'm not, I'm not grinding. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I feel this. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. yeah. So many people did write in and say that they're just, and even like down anxiety. just conversations we've been having with friends. Like I have a friend as well, who's extremely extroverted normally. And she came to me and was like, I don't want to leave lockdown. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> like, where did this come from? And even myself, like, I've been feeling like that and I'm like an introvert and I'm never introverted. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's been incredibly impactful for, I guess, everyone mm. coming out is scary. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And like, I know that, you know, there's so much uncertainty with like, you're locked down. You're not, you are, we're coming out. No, we're not. Four more weeks, two more weeks. We're out. No, we're not. Like you can't, like, you can't play with people like that because it's unfair. Like human beings run on hope, right? Like purpose is the driving factor for our existence. So if I feel like I'm hopeful and then I'm shut down and I'm hopeful and I'm shut down, I'm like, what's the point? Like, what is the point? So many of my clients came to me and said, Nancy, like, Yesterday is the same as tomorrow is the same as next week. Like, what is the point of this? Right. And I was like, 
I I feel you. Like, sure, it's existential. I get it. Like, what is the purpose of life? <laughs> but it's so hard. Like, our autonomy was taken from us, you know, and autonomy, again, is an innate human need. It's so, like... I don't think the government understands that, like, yes, I get it. We needed to be locked down to minimise transmission. We needed to get vaccinations out. We needed to do this. We needed to do that. And, like, you know, I don't know the government's agenda, whatever. That's another story. But they were like, hey, we probably should address people's mental health after, like, isolating them from their families and friends and, like, taking their incomes and, and so on and so forth and shutting down their businesses and changing their plans and not letting people get married or watch their people, their, their um, family members die and all of this stuff. And it's like, that shit's rough, man, and that's going to stick around way longer than COVID is. I can assure you that. Mm-hmm. And that's what really, really upset me. And I went on a rant on my reels on Instagram about <laughs> how the government lockdown did not take into consideration health in all its facets and that mental health is so important. And another question that your followers had asked was physical health and mental health, how do they go hand in hand, right? And we're all part of one body. The brain is attached to our body. And so that makes very much sense that it is a direct correlation between your physical health and your mental health, right? And so like things, for example, like serotonin, which is your neurotransmitter that is your happiness drug, internalized on tap, um, 90% of that is cultivated in your gut, right? And only 10% in your brain. So when they say you are what you eat, it is very much right. Because if you are dumping in fiber and protein and and carbs and, and complex sugars and all of the things that your body requires for nutrition, then you are going to amplify your serotonin. If you're eating Maccas and KFC and pizza and lollies and ice cream, not so much. That sounds like my night last yeah. night. I was like, oh. <laughs> look, I fuck heavily with McDonald's. Please don't ever get that twisted, right? But I'm saying that, like, we are in control of ensuring that we have all of these things that aid in our mental health, right? Drinking lots of water is so important. Having probiotics like kimchi and sauerkraut and like kombucha, which tastes like shit, but that's okay. Please don't be offended followers. If you like kombucha, we love you. Um, Yeah. All of those things are really important to ensure that we give our serotonin its best, um, support, I guess. Right. And so when we have anxiety and depression, our serotonin is depleted. Um, and that's why we have this really like flat kind of solemn feeling. Also your cortisol is made in the same place and your cortisol is your stress hormone, right? So if we're amplifying stress hormones and depleting happiness hormones, we're feeling like shit. Again, why exercise is so important, linking back to the physical health. I live and breathe exercise, right? Because I know that not only like aesthetically great, like that's a plus, 
but I know that it clears my mind. I know that it boosts my serotonin. I know that it gives me dopamine and my endorphin release. I know that it exerts anxious energy and that it depletes me from that really heightened state. I've, and I really do have so much energy after I exercise. And, you know, I do 11 hours of therapy five days a week. I need to get it out every morning, right? So, like, that is religiously part of my day-to-day routine. Um, Again, that's why physical health is so important. Like you can't sleep for two hours at five o'clock in the morning and then get up and then have a nap during the day and then eat Maccas for lunch and drink Coke. And like your, your mental health is going to suffer, period. Like even if you don't have mental health issues, there's nothing good about that. Yeah. Right? So 150 billion percent your physical health and your mental health are directly correlated right again if your physical health is good your mental health is good I feel good about myself I feel motivated I feel productive I feel positive I'm doing things with my life I'm I'm purposeful so yes 100 percent I can't believe what you said about your gut health 90 percent of serotonin is made in your gut I know. And see, these are the things like, why do we not know this shit? Like, why, why were we not taught in year seven to 12? Like, this is how you take care of your mental health. Mm. Like, to me, it's like the simplest thing to help hundreds and thousands of people understand what is going on for them. Like, but no, please teach me Pythagoras theorem because fuck, I'm still yet to use that shit. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually, like, you're so right. Why is mental health not a mandatory class mm. in especially high school, you especially know? Especially right? people suffer from, like, negative yeah. things, like, surrounding that. So, yeah. Correct. Like, PDHP has always been a part of the curriculum, right? Anatomy and exercise and, you know, cardiovascular versus this and that. And, you know, cool, that's all amazing. Like, yes, we do need to know those things. But why is there not, and and again, I don't know the school curriculum at the moment. Maybe there is. I'm not sure. But I know that when I went to school and I'm 30 this year, um, that that was not spoken about, right? And when I got to my first year of psychology, I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah, no, it wasn't even addressed at all when I was in school. Think about how many lives would be saved and people just feeling better good at school because school already can be so awful Mm. (laughs) so I just it blows my mind you should be Nancy for private oh my god I would love (laughs) I would I would absolutely love to run like I mean I have one billion ideas but I would love to run like school programs where we addressed mental health in like different ways like eating disorders is something that I work very very closely with um, in in session and it's something that I hold very dear to my heart and I know that there are so many girls in high school who are struggling with that and only when it becomes a very obvious problem do their parents go oh we should get you to see someone you know and it's like so deep into the journey that it's such a hard road out of it and it's like prevention is better than cure in physical health all the time so why not mental health right and again I could be here for seven hours talking about that injustice in itself but um 
yeah I told you girls I could talk forever it's such an interesting conversation no we love this yeah I sucked in even like a- another thing and I know that like I could talk about on this for hours but like another <laughs> question your your followers asked was about attachment style mm-hmm. um in relationships and attachment style is my shit like I love it so much and it's helped me have such an amazing relationship with my partner um it's changed the way that we, our dynamic has worked. It's, I mean, dating a psychologist in itself is fucking rough. <laughs> um, really briefly, um, not that anything is ever brief with me, but um, three attachments, start, well, four attachments, but three whole ones and one that's like in conjunction with them. So we've got a secure attachment, we've got an anxious attachment, and we've got an avoidant attachment. And like 6% of the population has an avoidant anxious attachment, which is like a whole mixed bag of fun. Mm. Um, And put, again, very briefly, secure attachments are the relationships where you have a really stable ground and like two people living in harmony with one another and going off and living their best lives and knowing that they can return to a really safe space and there's not like insecurities there. It's really authentic. It's really open. It's trusting and and it just feels really, really good to be in, right? And we that's that's the real goals if we're talking about goals. Um, we then get into an anxious attachment with, which is like a preoccupation of the relationship. And it's, there's a large fear around rejection and abandonment. We become hyper fixated on the dynamic of the relationship. And we're very hyper vigilant about, you know, changes in mood and, um, why didn't he text me with two exes and just one, like, what's that about? And, you know, I texted him like three hours ago and he hasn't, hasn't replied. Oh, he's replied now. I'm going to wait four hours to reply. And that's called protest behavior. So if you think about like having a sign on a, on a stick and being like, do not text me three hours after I text you, that makes me anxious. Um, and it's like letting, you know, it's, it's almost like getting back power, but it often just backfires and it's a shoot show. Um, but like anxiety, again, it is a, it's a very heightened, very irrational, very illogical, very um, just like fucking scared as shit to be in an anxious attachment. And then you have an avoidant attachment, which is an attachment style that lacks, and of course the sun's gone now and it's dark. Um, An avoidant attachment lacks emotional intimacy. So finding it hard to connect with someone and build that that emotional intimacy, almost like the glue that brings relationships together. Um, And often, you know, the the more, I guess, like, what are we? And like, what is this? And they're like, is. Lots of ghosting in avoidant attachments because there is an activation of their attachment style and they're like, I'm going to get the fuck out of here, right? And often what we see, I guess, in, in 2021 is anxious attachments, dating, avoidant attachments. And as they push, they pull, they push, they pull. Um, and it's it's a whole bit. But we could literally do a podcast on just attachment styles. Um, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. so sucked in. It's very cool. It's very, very cool. And it's something, yeah, I, I'd be down for that. Let's do that. Mm, I would love um, to. I actually don't really know it. 
anything about it, to be honest. Like I've seen the word like thrown around, I think, on social media. TikTok. But yeah. <laughs> but I don't know anything about this. So this is really interesting for me. Yeah, it, it's a it's a great way to understand your behavior in relationships and then understanding your partner's um, behavior in, in that relationship and being like, oh, okay, it's not because he hates me, for example, or it's not because she's needy it's because these are the things that are happening for this person on an individual level it's being projected into the relationship so when I do couples therapy I often have obviously sessions with the couple but then I have individual sessions with each partner and I go okay what's going on for you on an individual level and often I suggest that those individuals go and get their own therapy Um, work on the things that they need to and then come together and then form a really, really good foundation in a relationship when, you know, you've addressed your own individual issues. Because, of course, you know, what relationships are two parties coming together and forming this alliance um, and and you want to have good foundations from each side. So I'm just like personally thinking and I'm like I've seen myself, I feel like different attachment styles in different different relationships. Yeah. Or can you actually change... 100%. So attachment styles are malleable depending on the relationship that you find yourself in, right? So let's say, for example, you're dating an avoidant attachment who gives you mixed signals and doesn't exclusively say anything about anything and kind of makes you guess shit, then you can form an anxious attachment because you're so like... I don't know what the fuck is going on. Like, I need to know. I'm I'm so like anxious about, you know, are we dating? Are we not? Are you seeing other people? Are you not? Like, I don't know. I'm not getting anything from you, right? And this inconsistency in a relationship can cause you to have an anxious attachment. And you do have to remember that attachment styles start in your primary years. So they start in your primary attachments with your parents or your caregivers, right? The people that were had the heaviest influence in your developmental years, that's when those primary attachments form. So you're either a secure attachment, you're an ambivalent attachment, which is like we're on, we're off, we're on, we're off, which then turns into an anxious or you're a dismissive or flexible avoidant attachment with your primary. Again, this is there's so much to this, but yeah. you start off with an attachment style and, of course, you can mould into different attachments given the relationships that you find yourself in. So, yes, most definitely. Um, I was most definitely an anxious attachment when I first started dating my partner in 2014, and I was probably an anxious attachment for, like, four years And he was an avoidant attachment for four years. And that was a whole thing. Fun. Um, And then we took some, let's do an interim break on this because this is a lot. Um, And then we we both went away and worked on our attachment styles and then came back together and we've both been secure attachments for the last three years. But it's been such a beautiful transition into our attachment styles. Um, And, yeah, we're coming on eight years in March next year. That's so healthy. I I I know. I know last week um about breaks and we we're saying how you know if you're going to take a break you have to something be, has to change something to change to improve to come back together. so I love what you just said about how you went off worked on your attachment styles and came back and now you're both secure I think that's incredible and yeah yeah and like do not get me wrong it is hard work right you got to be honest and open and you have to be vulnerable and you have to be willing to take a fucking strong look at yourself and be like, you know, what part of this is 
the onus lies on me. I, I want me to be acknowledging and accountable for my part in this because I, I always liken romantic relationships to business relationships, right? Because a business relationship doesn't have the emotional component. And if you think about getting into a partnership with someone, for example, you guys, if you go, hey, Caitlin, hey, Maddie, we want to do a podcast, right? We're going to go 50-50. We're going to invest the same amount of hours, the same amount of output as one another. And then Maddie gets paid 90% of the profits and Caitlin only gets 10%. How is that fair, right? Caitlin rock up and be like, bitch, we're doing the same shit. And you're getting 90%, I'm getting 10%. This is not okay for me. And you'd pull out of the contract, right? But why do people then get into relationships with people where they're going 90, 10, and they're like, this is chill. I'm, I'm good with this. When there's an emotional component to it and there's like you're investing every single thing of you, your time, your energy, your effort, your money, your mental space, your physical health, like everything, right? And it's like, why then... Is, is it so chill for you to be like, this is fine. I'm getting treated like X, Y, Z, and I'm just going to stick it out. And I know, I know there is trauma bonding and there is anxious attachments and there is a, a schemas and a whole range of things that form people together and find it very hard to detach from that. I am well aware um, and is in no way as simple as a, as a professional relationship. And I, I acknowledge that wholeheartedly. But I think that if people took a conscious effort to understand themselves firstly and then to get into a relationship being like, I know this about me, I need this in a relationship, do you have the things that I need? Do you portray the traits that are important to me and vice versa? Cool, let's come together and have a relationship. Like, there needs to be so much more work in understanding relationships and attachment styles and so on and so forth. Like I'm pretty sure the research was a few years back, but at the moment our divorce rate is 45%, wow. right? I hate that. That's <laughs> yeah. I remember hearing it was 40%, so now it's 45 Right. Yeah. And like we're looking at a median age of 12 years in marriages. Wow. 12 wow. years. Like come on, man, that's that's not good enough. Like that makes me really sad. And, and I know that there is so much pain in relationship trauma. And like, again, I could talk to you for 10 hours about this also. So what else? Look and at another that. question about um, narcissists, which I would, I'm interested in. Oh, narcissists. Like where do I begin? <laughs> because I hear the word thrown around so often mm. and you know, it's easy, I think, when you've had a bad relationship sometimes to be like, oh, they're fucking narcissists. What yeah. is an actual narcissist? Yeah. So I think, again, just like all of these, like, token words that get thrown into social media and everyone's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to use that, like, colloquial language in, like, this conversation. Like, oh, my God, he literally didn't text me back. What a narcissist. I'm like, what? No. <laughs> no. Um, another thing that people miss, diagnose let's call it about narcissism is being confident and proud of yourself and positive about you know your accomplishments and so on and so forth like I don't want people to get that twisted with narcissism because it's not that like what's that guy from like Beauty and the Beast Gustavo 
The one that was like, had that like luscious hand who was like so fucking up himself. Like he's a narcissist, but I, I'm also like being so positive about yourself and being like, I'm the fucking baddest bitch in the whole world. And like, I got this shit on lock. Like I'm good, you know? Um, and this is something again, that like, I do, I do this thing on my Instagram where I do a positive self-talk flip. So like, um, followers will give me like a negative self-talk statement that they use like reoccurringly, like I'm not worthy, for example. And I'll flip that into like, I am deserving of everything that I feel is relevant and important and valuable to me. Right. And it's like positive. Again, if I ever did a Ted talk, I would do it on positive self-talk. And how oh my god ted if you're listening i'm down let's do it i'll do it for free even <laughs> whatever Ted's listening to girl code. Yeah. <laughs> um i know we're manifesting ted listening to girl code yeah <laughs> um so yeah i don't want it to be attributed to that because negative self-talk is so prevalent, right? Like I'll go to the gym, for example, and two girls will be talking and they're like, I look like a fucking wildebeest in these sites today. And be like, babe, I'm literally a walrus. Like you don't understand. And I'm like, wow. Okay. But then if someone came into the gym and be like, my ass is fat in these tights. And the other girl was like, you look fucking incredible. I am the hottest bitch in this gym. Why is that not common, right? It's it's then slandered with you're up yourself, you're arrogant, you think too much or too highly of yourself, like you're cocky. It's like we've been programmed in society to talk down on ourselves. We that's such a common narrative. Like I hate my husband, I hate my wife. Yeah, they're fucked. Oh my god, you should hear how fucked my husband is. Like why? Like, why can't we be like, my partner is fucking bee's knees. I love them dearly and they're amazing. And my and someone else is like, oh my God, my partner is literally the best thing that's ever happened to me. Like, why are we not having these conversations? No wonder we're walking around fucking miserable because we're like, I'm literally broke as anything. I had sleep for dinner last night. Like, why is those conversations so normal? But the moment that someone's like, I'm so proud of myself. I just, you know, smashed out a uni um, assignment and I got into the gym and this and that. And everyone's like, oh, relax, man. Right? So please don't attribute that to narcissism. Narcissism is a personality disorder that is very, very complex. And the criteria is very specific to be diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. And it comes with a whole range of things. Essentially, a grandiosity in that you think you're better than people. Like <laughs> people who don't have a white collar job are just peasants. Like that's fucked. That's got nothing to do with being positive about yourself, right? Um, and I guess if I talk about the narcissistic abuse cycle in relationships, you'll understand what narcissists really are. So the first part of that narcissistic abuse cycle is love bombing right? And love bombing is the really extravagant, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me, gifts, holidays, every other girl that I've ever dated or guy I've ever dated or person I've ever dated is literally fucking batshit crazy. And you're like the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I can't believe the world aligned and it brought you to me and in like 24 hours. Right. Like, holy shit, bro. Back the fuck up. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, 
the really, really extra like displays of affection and like just really overboard, right? And and so many girls that I've dealt, I've worked with, and again, um, this is majorly my client base, obviously, and like I can't speak on every other thing in the world, but so many girls that come to me and go, I met this guy and this and this and this and this happened. And I was like, pause. Yeah. What the fuck? Right. And they're like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. I'm like, <laughs> check back in in two weeks with me. Right. So we go from the love bomb stage where like this person that's being doted on and being like, oh, you are the best thing that's ever happened. Like, oh my God, I'm glowing from the inside out. Right. Like this person thinks I'm the greatest things ever happened. And so we get sucked into that, right? And so we then start, we put on the rose-colored glasses and we're like, but this person literally thinks I am God's gift to the world. And when this, this the narcissist starts to shed that like facade or that, that um, role that they're playing, they then eventually start to crack. So this is where the abuse comes in, whether it's gaslighting, which is almost making you like reconsider your sanity and and doing things that are like, but I literally didn't say that. Like I'll give you an example. Um, Let's say someone I know um, was contacted by their narcissistic partner to be like, hey, let's make minestrone soup tonight. Um, I want you to cut the carrots into cubes. Like, yeah, chill. I can do that. Cool. So she's at home cutting up the uh, carrots into julienne, which is very thin strips. I was number one in hospitality in year 12, not to brag. Oh, my God. Um, Julienning that shit, right? And then he comes through the door and he's like, didn't I fucking say I wanted cubes in my minestrone soup? Not fucking julienne. Oh my God, every fucking time I come home, I have to be in this fucking mood because of you. Everything you do just fucking pisses me off. Why do I have to deal with someone like that? And it's like, dude, it's just carrots. Yeah. Mm. Right? So now I'm the problem because I've made him upset and I've I've triggered him. And now I feel guilty for not cutting fucking carrots into cubes instead of julienne strips. And I'm the problem. Right? Again, I could talk to you about narcissism for 10 hours. Yeah, we're like, I'm like, please. <laughs> right? So gaslighting is something that is so prominent in narcissists because they want to break down their victim and make them feel like they need to succumb to whatever the narcissist needs. And it is, it is the narcissist world and you're just living in it. And if you think about it, right, take this really hurt low self-esteem, the world hates me person and put it, put a inflatable igloo around them. Right. And this, this dome is the ego, right? This dome is the narcissistic mode, but in order to keep your inflatable dome going, you need to plug into a blood supply, right? And your blood supply is your victim. So often narcissists only choose very, very little victim, if anything, just one, right? Because why would you ask yourself 
to the majority because then people start talking, right? And going, oh my God, he did this. Oh my God, yeah, he did that to me. Oh my God, he did. And so then there's a consensus. But if you cut off the blood supply from its reality, and I'm dating a narcissist and he's treating me like this, this, and this, but he's fucking amazing to you guys. And I'm like, Caitlin and Maddie, oh my God, my boyfriend did blah, 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 blah. And you're like, Tom, really? No, come on. <laughs> my boyfriend's name. I was like, oh, oh my God, God. <laughs> I'm a psychic. <laughs> oh, really? That's so funny. <laughs> not enough. Psychologist. Yeah. <laughs> um, right? And and you guys are like, oh my God, Nancy, are you, you're being dramatic, man. Like he's the funniest guy in the world. Like he would never hurt a fly, blah, blah, blah. Right. And you're like, well, then am I being dramatic? Right. Like, am I, am everyone around me is like, oh my God, Nancy, come on. Like, are you serious? He's like the best guy. And I'm like, fuck. Okay. And then I start to question myself, right? This is where the gaslighting works. Cause it's like, holy shit. I'm being dramatic. Like maybe this guy isn't as bad as I think he is. And then we stay. Right. And then, of course, if you've gone to check in with your outside world, the narcissist caught wind of that and then being like, I love you. I'm sorry. I will change. Let's do X, Y, Z. I'll go to therapy. I'll make all the things that you need. La, 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 la. Yeah. Is this a text? Right? (laughs) Why is this? (laughs) Why did we all date the same person? I don't know. Right? And it's like, then we're back. Cause like, but he's changing, but he's doing this, but he's doing that, et cetera, et cetera. And then we get to a point where we're like, oh, we're back again. He's emotionally coercing me. He's making me feel like shit. He's cheating on me. So on and so forth. And it's like, why narcissists cheat quite commonly is because when they feel like there's the narcissistic wound is apparent, meaning like you've unveiled them and being like, you're a fucking narcissist. You treat me like shit. I don't want to do this anymore. And they're like, oh, sure. My blood supply is about to be cut off. So what they do is they go into this triangle where they're like, let's work on somebody else. Right. So what they do is they ensure that there's a backup blood supply. So when you start to pull away and you're like, I'm not going to deal with this shit anymore. Like I'm done with you. Boom, Nancy. Oh my God. We broke up on Friday on a Sunday. He's posting a girl on Snapchat going off on a hike and what the fuck and how did it happen in 48 hours? I was like, baby girl, she's been around for a long time. Mm. She's just been plugged in. Yeah. Right. And he'll unplug her and probably plug you back in because he's done a lot of groundwork with you and like, you don't want to waste away groundwork. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm like, wow. (laughs) Again, we could do a whole podcast on narcissists. Nancy, you need a podcast. Yeah, you should really start. I just don't have time. Like, yeah, like that's why I like doing, I like going on podcasts because I'm like, you do the work and I'll just talk to you. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Like so many of my clients and friends and followers have been like, you need a podcast, you need a podcast. And I'm like, I know, like I do, I love doing it. it. It's so natural for me. I feel really good about it but it's just like, there's so much work. I mean, technical difficulties and like setting up the time, you know, and, and that's true. Like, that's cool, man. It's fucking, you're a human being. So like, yeah, that's the only reason. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm going to, I'm going to completely um, 
say that I'm not going to do a podcast, but I just think that like at this stage, um, given the circumstances that we're in at the moment, like I'm just really dedicating 150% of my time to fitting in clients um, throughout the week. And then I do a lot of PR um, media stuff with my PR agent as well. So like I've, I've got to tend to her needs too, <laughs> um, which has been cool because I love writing as well. And something that I, again, I can talk about the things that I really do enjoy and am and, and, and passionate about and I'm able to like have them be in like women's health and men's health and cosmopolitan and things like that, um, which is pretty cool as well. But yeah, I'm manifesting TED Talk for sure. I would Absolutely. love to see yes. that. Yeah. I ultimately, 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 I want to do like an Oprah style situation. So if I'm like on TV, like remember this moment. Yeah, 100%. This episode will be like a vintage. You heard it here first. Girl Code the podcast, Maddie and Caitlin. I'm going to be Oprah, Australian version. I've got the skin tone. We're vibing. Brown girl power. You know, it's, yeah, I'm just going to copy paste, you know. I feel like you're somebody I could sit with you and just be like, okay, fine. I'll tell you everything. Yeah. Like you've just got such a warm. Yeah. Which is, I mean. I, and I, 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 I really do like when I got into to psychology and I knew that this was going to be a part of my life, I, I wanted to be approachable. I wanted to be honest. I wanted to be unfiltered. I didn't want to feel like people were scared to, talk about their most vulnerable, their most raw moments, because I know how hard it is to do that with other people in our lives. Because, you know, given like, yes, there is judgment. Yes, there is bias. People interpret things in the way that they understand them, right? And so it's so freeing to unleash in in the most raw way possible. And I know that like even simply by talking about something without intervention, without diagnosis, without treatment, just being heard and being respected in the things that you share is life-changing, right? And and it is very hard for a lot of people to do that. And I, I know that. And I, I say to my clients, you know, in the first session, whether you download 100% of what's happening for you or you download 1%, I respect you in any way that you feel comfortable. And, you know, eventually people do open up and they feel safe. Some people don't. And some people are like, fuck, you're full on, bro. I need to go see someone else, um, which is cool. Like, you know, I'm not offended by that by any means. And and I know that like, you know, not everyone is everyone's cup of tea. And I, yeah, do things a certain way and it resonates with some and it doesn't resonate with others. And that's cool. Like I, I'm okay with that. And I know that getting on social media as a psychologist has been difficult um, and challenging at times because I do, of course, have to abide by codes of ethics and, and ensure that I am being, um, politically correct but also being very honest and more online as well which is why I do like off the cuff you know video stories when I'm like walking around and and just like sitting on the floor after training and shit like that and just being like stop fucking judging yourself okay cool have a good day <laughs> bye <that's all. laughs> have a yeah. good day <laughs> yeah. have a good day or have a mediocre day if you don't want to have a great one that's okay too <laughs> Honestly, yeah. you are, I'm like, so yes, you're in, booking it. <laughs> yes. Can you tell everyone where they can find you? Because yes. your Instagram yeah. is amazing. That's, that's how yeah, I so my Instagram is at psych with socks. So my last name is Sakano. Everyone in high school used to call me socks. So I was like, I'm a psychologist. Psych with socks. <laughs> 
And everything like rhymes with S. Like I do sessions with socks. I do what would socks say. Oh, that is um, I have merch on my website as well. I have a water bottle. Catch yeah, the yeah, we're like walking around. <laughs> my God. We've got all our merch. <laughs> my my, I should have brought my water bottle. The branding fail. Yeah. Um, my water bottle is on my website under the shop tab, and it says, "Talk about therapy like you talk about going to the gym." Ooh, love that. Yeah. Um, and I have a band that says, "What would so so WWSS." Like what would Jesus do? No hate to Jesus, really. <laughs> I would never compare. I would never compare Jesus. I would never compare. But um, I got it from I got it from the Simpsons. Really? Because <laughs> I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty sure Homer said that, and I was like, oh my god, WWSS looks cool, and so That's I made a band. Um, and a lot of a lot of my clients had said to me like, I always think like, what would Nancy say to me like in that situation? Because I'm so like forthcoming and like, don't fucking do shit like that. And you know, um, and so they're like, yeah, it's like a little reminder to be like, what would I'm like? Oh, I'm not gonna text him. Okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's on my um on my website, which is www.cyclistsocks.com. And it's in my bio, in my Instagram as well. At the f- Maybe like three years ago, I started a YouTube when I was a teeny tiny provisional psychologist. Um, and I just felt like it was, again, really like, hi, welcome back to Psych with Socks. My name's Nancy Sakano. Um, and it was just like really like... <laughs> And like, not like this, which is what I love because like, I hate being, I don't like being fake. I don't like, and not that it's fake, but it's just like really proper and like formal and everything's like cut and pasted and shit like that. And I was just like, yeah, I'm over this. Like I kind of grew out of it. And then I started doing IGTV on Instagram, which was a little bit more chill because I do it out of like my clinic and stuff. Um, Just really casual, like what we're doing at the moment. Um, And yeah, so I, I, that's, those are my socials. Um, and there's a contact form in my site page, um, on my website as well. At the moment I'm at capacity. No, I know. Yeah. my heart breaks. Um, the waiting list straight up. Yeah. My waiting list has a waiting list. Um, but, no, but it's, um, yeah, it's been amazing. I am so thankful every single day that I get to be a part of so many people's lives and and the most raw part of their lives as well. And it, it really does warm my heart that people feel comfortable and safe with me. And it makes me cry. Oh. <laughs> I, I, this is the first time I've worn makeup in like four months. <laughs> oh. Um. Yeah, it is. It's it's a blessing, and um, uh, yeah, I'm super grateful. Oh, <laughs> why are you the best person ever? Best oh my god, I did the whole thing without tears, guys. You're doing. You're, yeah. you've yeah. honestly nailed it. You're so great to talk to. And yeah. We really appreciate you coming on. This is your podcast. Mm-hmm. I just living in. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> I know. I was literally like, um, you're just a guest, babe. Like their host, just like stop talking. Okay. <laughs> Great. We love listening to what you have to say. It's we've just been like silent this whole time. It's been amazing. I feel like I've just like taken all yeah, that in. I'm like, holy shit. 
<laughs> this, is, this is the time that you should journal and be like, I took away these points, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, so, yeah. so you don't, so you don't forget them. And yeah. And there's something that you like can go back and look at. Um, but it's been an absolute pleasure. I really, really do appreciate you guys taking the time to have me on your amazing podcast. And for those that are following, I just gave you like 12 sessions for free. Yeah. <laughs> Better be grateful. Everyone. Just put your like BSB account down below. Like donations. Work. That is unethical, Caitlin. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> We only abide by the codes of ethics and ensure that we are prim, proper, professional. Of course, but also my details. (laughs) BSB through the (laughs) number. But, yeah, an absolute pleasure. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful Saturday. Bye. What a fantastic conversation. Definitely one of my favourites, if I do say so myself. Nancy, honestly, we love you. We're you are incredible, with you. incredible human. Please let us have sessions with you. Please bump us to the top of your wait list that has a wait list. Yes, she literally has a wait list for her wait I, list. I want to yeah. be bumped to the front of that. Yeah, no, we're obsessed with her. We hope that you all hopefully took something away from this episode. Um, yeah, that you can have for yourself or you can pass on to someone else. Pass on the knowledge. And you can find Nancy. Um, she said her handle. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it is also in the show notes down below. Make sure you go follow her. Show us some love. She posts every day on the gram. She does little Instagram takeovers and everything. She's sick. I love her content. So go check her out. And also, as usual, make sure you guys jump on and leave us a review if you enjoyed this episode and make sure you also download this week's episode and also follow us on Instagram. (laughs) Okay, that's... (laughs) What was that? I don't know. My lips just went... (laughs) Um, But that's all the plugging from me. Yeah, that's all I have to say as well. If you like listening to us, please give us five stars. And if you don't like listening to us and it's not five stars, then please just don't leave us a review. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Have a great week. Bye.